Hello and welcome to the Legendary Men Podcast. I'm your host, Chris. I'm joined by my two friends, Devin and Andrew. Together, we're learning with you how to be a better man, better husband, better father, and just learn how to do cool stuff. Join us for this fun adventure. Come along for the ride. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Legendary Men Podcast. It's been months since we last recorded back in may of this year so it's been a long time we took a a long sabbatical (laughs) an unintentional sabbatical but we're back and uh we got with us today the one and only ben osborne that we're going to be interviewing he's awesome he has a lot of good insights that he can add to our podcast today we're going to be learning a lot about him and his life um but before we do that Let's catch up a little bit on the last five or six months. <laughs> it's been a long time. What have you been up to during summer sabbatical? Oh, me? I've been up to a lot. I moved way up north, which is kind of cool, but kind of sucks in some ways, too. <laughs> You're pretty much in Canada. Yeah, I pretty much am in Canada <laughs> now. Really close to Canada. <laughs> he sees, like, Mounties yeah. from his front door. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. I wait for that. It's weird in Spokane. It's like if you move... 30 minutes away, you might as well be three hours away because yeah, you never it, see anybody. I know. It's, as if they're like from really out of town, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it's unintentional. We like you, Chris, but it's, I've seen it with other people too. Like when I moved to Cheney, I lived in Spokane. It was like I lived in another city that wasn't just like mm-hmm. 25 minutes from Spokane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're like, you have left the face of the earth. Like, like you're in uncharted <laughs> territory. Yeah. There, it's, there'd be monsters there. It's weird. Because we do feel a lot more isolated than I think we thought we would. But I do work in town still, so that's nice because then, like, we can meet and do podcasts and stuff and see friends and everything. But, but yeah, we bought a little three-acre chunk of land way up north of Spokane, about an hour north. And, yeah, we really like it. It's a new house with a lot of mud (laughs) that we've been trying to turn into grass somewhat successfully. Mostly unsuccessfully, but it's coming along. Chris, I believe you should tell our our, our listeners about your uh, potato gun range you have yes. now. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> so we've done a lot of cool stuff up there. Um, my son and I, we built a potato launcher. I don't know if I can actually talk about this. I think it's like illegal, technically. Pretty sure the so ATF I, is yeah. going to be yeah. like, kicked <laughs> out of the because we've talked about this. Give me your gun! Uh, so, Kate and my BBC. son... My son wanted to build a potato launcher because I had one as a kid that me and my brothers built. And so we made one and it is crazy. It is so crazy. <laughs> it, okay, so we kind of modified it a little bit to shoot like maximum range. We looked at some YouTube videos and put this thing together and made a long barrel on it. And then apparently if you use starting fluid instead of hairspray it goes a lot farther (laughs) so uh the first few attempts didn't go very well like it only shot like 10 feet so we were pretty disappointed and then we got a different a bigger potato and like really wedged it down in there and it has an igniter that you use and i'm clicking the igniter clicking the igniter nothing's happening and then all of a sudden it just like kaboom (laughs) it launched this thing we have like this little mountain hill thing behind our house it launched it like over that it's like 600 yards like it was <laughs> insane how far it went and i wasn't sure if 
I just wasn't remembering how far our other potato gun went as when I was younger. But then my parents came up this last weekend, and of course my kids were like, "Oh my gosh, we got to show the potato gun!" And we launched it, and I thought my dad was gonna like have a heart attack. <laughs> oh my gosh, that went so far! So he confirmed that it went crazy far. So, but yeah, life's been good. It's just been a little crazy lately, and unfortunately, we haven't been able to record as much um, of the podcast just due to crazy life and jobs and stuff, but. Yeah, things are good, and happy to be back with you guys. Yeah, it's good to be back. It's good to be together and not digital. Yeah, oh yeah, and we're all recording together. That's that's pretty awesome. Socially distant and with masks. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We have an amazing microphone that picks it all up, even mm-hmm. through all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even through this <laughs> giant plexiglass dome that we're separated by. Separated by 12 feet apart. <laughs> what about you guys? Devin? Uh, I, not much. I've just been working, um, started back kind of end of May full time. Um, and just been busy working since then. So not a lot has happened. Just work. We started homeschooling this year. Like, oh my gosh. Not digital school from home, but homeschool. So. Oh, really? Are you guys doing just straight up homeschool? Yeah. Like, we bought a curriculum and. Oh my gosh. Doing it that way. Good luck. So, well, when I say we, it's my wife is <laughs> homeschooling while I'm at work. So, yeah, kudos to her. Kudos to her. <laughs> Not me. You write yep. the check. She does the work. Yep. I get it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Good job, Andrea. Yes. Good job, Andrea. Shirsten, my wife can sympathize with you. <laughs> it's not easy. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard a lot of horror stories, like from the patients I see, like their kids. It just doesn't sound. It's not ideal. You know, I have kids learning virtually from home. My kindergartner actually got to go to school for the first time last week. She started virtually. She's super excited. Comes home, tells me all the cool things she's learning. So I'm hopeful that that'll transition into my second grader. And then maybe sometime next year before summer break, my middle schooler and high schooler will get in. Maybe not. But at the rate we're going, I don't know if the seniors will ever go back to school. But maybe the middle school. Yeah. We'll see. I'm hopeful, because it's not ideal to learn the way that it's been rolled out yet. No. Right. Yeah, it's difficult. It's been a lot more difficult than I ever, like, foresaw it being, I guess, in weird ways. Anyways, I don't know, for me. Oddly, dropping off my kindergartner, it seems to take, like, at least five or ten minutes just to work through that line. Oh, yeah. I don't understand how they're going to do that for, like, an additional five grades. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. it's like I think it's gonna take like till lunchtime to get all the kids like checked in and <laughs> uh-huh. temperatures scanned and stuff. Like, I don't know. Yeah, and at first, like, we we literally live like three blocks from the school, and they're like, "You have to drive." We're like, "No thanks, we're gonna walk." We bought this house in this neighborhood so our kids could walk to elementary school, and besides, fresh air is good before and get some wiggles yeah. out before you get to school. So. When we can walk, we're going to walk. And you're going to have to figure out how to take our temperature when we come up on the sidewalk, not rolling up in a car. Like, that's your mm-hmm. problem. I'm going to bring my kid to school. But there's just like, you got you to gotta figure out a way for the community to get there, right? Because how many cars can you really handle? And there's even, you know, you five grades, there's going to be a lot more walkers. You got to have a solution, not just for mm-hmm. kindergarten. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because they're going to be coming. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. They're going to be early and they're going to be late. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. How do you deal with like 
late kids and stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder how this is gonna go. Yeah. You can't enter the school. You're five minutes late. You know, it'd be, it'd be we would quite get entertaining. Every day. Just you know, grab some popcorn and drink. Just go watch and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> right. Film. <laughs> Our next podcast is coming to you live from, from the school. <laughs> from outside Ben's kids' school. <laughs> See how it's done. <laughs> what about you, Andrew? How's your sabbatical been? <laughs> you know, r- remarkably unremarkable. Yeah. Um, like like I've been at work like every day. It hasn't felt like my life's any different. I think I think that's been a little weird to kind of like watch a lot of other people's lives get really crazy and uncrazy. Oh yeah, as like a counselor, have you? I mean, I'm sure you've seen an increase in a lot of mental yeah. health stuff. But what do you? What's your take on that? What have you seen that? Anxious people be getting more anxious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, like I think it's just kind of it. Oddly, it's it's felt like six months of like the Christmas season because Christmas oh, is like yeah. like our yeah. busiest time when things just get kind of crazy because people start doing things different and it's just kind of felt like kind of a nonstop holiday season where things are just just off. Well, now it's starting to get darker earlier. That's yeah. that's gonna play into it. Yeah. because oh. now you can't go outside as much. Like right. We used to during the summer. Right. Wait, you've been going outside this whole time? <laughs> Just in my backyard, legal? like front yard, backyard, that's it. Front steps. So. I'm going to have to report you. <laughs> but that's a good segue into my next question, I guess. Um, what, have you, what have you guys learned over the course of this, I don't know, pandemic over the summer? What have you learned about yourself or something, I don't know, about your family that you might not have learned otherwise? In a different scenario. It's a deep question, man. I know. That's, that's I'll go first because I've cap, thought about this a lot. Okay. Uh, well, okay. So let me just put it this way. I have learned that uh, I've learned to identify my emotions better and to just be okay with, with what it is that I'm feeling. Just sit with it. Yeah. Because okay, it's been man. crazy. Like, like the anxiety, oh my gosh, I'll just say it. Yeah, so anxiety's been off the chart. Like, depression, everything hit me in weird ways. So, and moving, I mean, that's stressful. You know, yeah. being not around your friends as much, that obviously, <laughs> that was self-inflicted. <laughs> but, yeah, so I think that, and then I think <coughs> I've also, um, which I think is a good thing. It's kind of sucked like learning that better but and then the other thing is I think I've learned um more about my kids like what they like and kind of how to have more meaningful time with them I guess and I don't know I've learned to kind of be more observant and pay more attention to the subtle things that they do and what they need Nice. So, so that's been good. I mean, yeah. it's kind of a forced lesson, but <laughs> it's been good. I want my answer to be as deep as yours there, man. Yeah, yeah that, was you, that was well thought out. So yeah. I've kind of thought about it too. Like, So there was a point where I think I was starting to feel a little depressed, not happy. I've gained weight. Like I haven't been doing as much. Other people have been doing triathlons, and I haven't been. And so there was a point where I got to where it was kind of like, 
I felt like I was slowing this one unnamed person down, like in training. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to go because I don't want to slow you down because you have a race coming up. And so I was holding back, like just not doing stuff. And I think like I realized kind of the importance of having a good social support. Like you can't do stuff on your own. Mm-hmm. Like you need a lot of help. And so this person had a very, that's me. Okay, fine, <laughs> fine. A very like come to Jesus chat with me about like, no, this is not, this is not how it works. Like you, you can't be like the lone wolf. Like you gotta, you gotta like, it's a team thing. Like be you strong, have to have it. Strong, <laughs> like, so, strong, yeah. so it was good for me to learn that like, yeah, I, I do need a lot of support. Like not that I'm needy, but like, you have to have that support system to, to keep you going during craziness like this. So I learned that. Yeah. I was going to say something yeah, kind awesome. of yeah, similar about my kids, right? That's like, I've kind of noticed their behavior more like what it looks like when they're isolated and bored and they, they need to be around other people. Yeah. And yes, Devin, you make it sound like, 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 I do anything other than run very slow. Right? So it's like, <laughs> like, yeah, no. no. There's a, another friend that's also like, are you signed up for this? How come you haven't signed up for this? When are you signing up for this? I'm like, I'm not. Devin, Devin, you did sign up for an Ironman. I did right? sign up for something, but yeah. A full Ironman. Like, <laughs> full that's pretty legit. You did? Yes. Oh man, yeah. that's awesome! <laughs> a, little, a little intimidated. I'm Whoa. there for you, Devin. Yeah, Chris, moral just... support. I won't be there running with you or biking with you. For those of you who can't see us, Chris just looked at me like, "Are you kidding me? You're gonna die! Like, there's no way you will finish this." That was no, you're yeah. gonna do it. Look. I didn't mean to look at you like that. My eyes betrayed me. I read people really well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Ben, what'd you learn? So the last few months, um, learned a couple of things that my kids are very capable to do a lot of things or they're capable to do pretty much nothing. (laughs) And sometimes they just need a little bit of guidance and direction and I wouldn't say handholding, but they work really well side by side and having some synergy in a project, we get a lot more done than if I just say you go and do this, right? And um, the last few months I've been able to teach my kids a lot about working on the house, working in the landscaping, working on the yard, because like other sectors of the economy, um, my business sector uh, in the dental field was shut down for a few months. And so we had lots of opportunity to learn new skills at home, teach the kids how to finish bedrooms and we put in over 20 can lights in the basement and finished two bedrooms and halfway finished a living room, which we're still working on. That's their study room now, but it's got light in there, which is great. And, you know, outside when the weather was nice, we, you know, planted over 50 different plantings, whether it's a tree or a shrub or a flower or something and, and did a lot of landscaping. And along with that, my kids have learned um, new ways to earn money. You know, a friend of mine is a landscaper and has a tree farm. And and with all the extra free time that my 14-year-old son had, we started spending time out there just helping him out because he needed help. His previous employee kind of bailed on him. 
I had some free time and I'm like, I'm used to working 10 or 12 hours a day. I'm going to go crazy if I sit at home. So yeah, I'll just come help you and we'll trade, right? So I worked at the farm. He gave me trees. We worked at the farm. He paid my son cash. And then after, you know, I went back to work, he continued to mentor my son and to pay him a, a good wage. And it's been great to see how he manages money. He values work. He saves. He plans for expenses. And I don't know if we would have had that much intense focus on personal finance and work ethic had it not been for a complete shutdown of my business where I really just had to focus on the home and focus on the kids and do whatever we could to teach them a meaningful lesson while everything else was chaotic and shut down. And so it's been very positive in that regard, but other things have really not been fun about COVID. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've all in this room and in my house, you know, have some pretty poor eating habits and gain some pounds <laughs> and want to do better in lots of different areas of our, our life, right? Or, or mm-hmm. stay up too late because we're anxious or nervous about the next day, but we can't sleep. So we just do behaviors that don't help us get ready for tomorrow. <laughs> yep. Like, it's crazy how, like, I, I you just go through that. I mean, I went through that. I never thought that I would... Maybe it's a symptom of anxiety or depression or whatever, but I never labeled it that as I was going through it, but I'm sure that's what it was, you know, that it was just some of those behaviors that you get in this wheel of what am I going to do? And so you do nothing or something that's mind numbing and the next day I'm just tired and go on with life, you know, but mm -hmm. here we go. What is your COVID vice? So COVID vice was like, (laughs) yeah, that's a good question. Andrew Thurber. Trademark team. Yeah. COVID. That's okay. So COVID advice. Well, just so here's the other thing about it. So the, my COVID advice and my wife's COVID advice came from needing a break and an escape from life and from kids and from people like crammed in the same house. We love our family. We love each other, but there's times when you just can't get a personal moment together. And so sometimes that personal moment would come at midnight. So I'd plug into my show. She'd plug into her show. We wouldn't talk. The kids were in bed. And we would have our quiet moment. But that wasn't good for our sleep schedule. But at least we had a quiet moment. So that was our vice. You know, she had her show. I had my show. Screens late at night, in bed, staying up late. Like, that's not a good way to live every day of your life. Understandable, yeah. So that was our vice. I don't even remember the shows or... Movies that I watched, you know, some of them I cycled through different things, and it was a screen when nobody was talking to me. That was the vice. But now, somehow I've just kind of gradually fell into that, and now I've kind of gradually grown out of that. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm really not doing mm-hmm. that at night anymore. I'm working a lot during the day, and I'm my kids have things, and church is starting to pick up, so my responsibility is there. So I feel like I'm getting more balance to life and less of the vice. It's almost like mm-hmm. it's kind of helped us sift out the stuff that we're like, oh yeah, that's a vice. I should yeah. probably not do that. Yeah. Because it kind of like it was easy to get exp- expounded. Like when you have nothing else you can do, it's like I'm gonna watch 20 hours of TV in a day. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Or just in a night and then stay up yeah. during the day. You know, like three mm-hmm. hours of sleep or five hours of sleep. And- yeah. And then you're grumpy and treat kids and people differently and you make different decisions and you start thinking differently because you're not sleeping. 
so it's weird. I mean, I never thought I would have those those kind of depressive thoughts, and they start to creep in on me when I don't sleep well. And I, that was one thing that I really learned about myself and recognized that I'm usually not a depressive kind of guy, and it's not in my family history at all. But I did experience some of that, and it was kind of mm-hmm. like, okay, this is real. Sleep is important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sleep is a huge one. Yeah, for me too. I, th- I mean, I think for everybody. Yeah. If your sleep is bad, then things are going to go downhill. That's mine too, I think, is the screens at night. Yeah. I don't know. I just get sucked in. It's, you know, you put the kids to bed and then you finally have that moment of like, okay, everything's done. The kids are in bed. It's finally quiet. And then it's like the perfect time to connect with your spouse. But we do the same thing. We're like, I'm going to watch The Office on my phone or (laughs) I'm going to watch The Mandalorian. I'm going to binge watch The Mandalorian (laughs) for nine hours. Because 11 o'clock seems like a reasonable time yeah, to start the show. It's, like, it's only one episode. It's going to be like half an hour. I'll, I'll be in bed before midnight. And then like 2.30 rolls around and you're like, oh, I'm still oh, awake. I am an idiot. First <laughs> I'm an idiot. <laughs> yeah. have to get ready for work in three hours. I will this never do terrible. this again <laughs> until tomorrow. <laughs> until tomorrow. Yes, exactly. Back at it. Yeah. That's funny. Like, like mine was like, Netflix or YouTube and fruit snacks, man. Like, and fruit snacks. Fruit snacks, yeah. Oh man, man. fruit snacks are. Oh, it's they're candy, but you can lie to yourself and say that they have like vitamins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they have real fruit juice. Yeah. In fruit. <laughs> it's like cane sugar fruit. instead of high fructose corn syrup. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> These are good carbs, not. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> and like because they have like like you know a six year old and an almost two year old we have fruit snacks we have a lot of fr- we have a lot of snack foods that are supposed to be for my children that get eaten by me so yeah <laughs> that you hide in your closet and... pretty much yeah <laughs> no I, well see it's like even bad when I realize that I'm trying to like hide the wrappers in the kitchen garbage so that my wife doesn't see how many <laughs> I've eaten I've never done that but she knows <laughs> she knows she always does no no. Screens late at night. I'm I'm glad I'm not the only one who's uh, you know foregone sleep, you know, and connection with my <laughs> wife for you know another three episodes of uh-huh. I can't even remember what it was now because we well, yeah yeah jeez oh, all right Devin that's that nice. and hitting the pot well right gosh I've been running so much and like spending a lot of time outdoors and working out and just I just can't stop. <laughs> no, I just sleeping on my six pack all the time. Yeah. Ugh. No, just watching shows and staying up late. Like even when I know I need to go to bed on time, I'm like, if I go to bed at ten, I'm wasting two hours of the day. So I'm gonna stay up till twelve, doing nothing, and I feel like it's productive. And then the next day I'm dying. But, yeah. There's an old adage, early to bed, early to rise. Yeah. Right? And I've noticed that about myself. Like, if I go to bed at midnight and wake up at, say, 8 o'clock, try to get 8 hours of sleep, I'm not nearly as refreshed as if I go to bed at 10 p.m. and wake up at 6. Yeah. So different. Mm -hmm. So different. different. Oh, yeah. It's totally different. It's 8 hours, Mm -hmm. but it's so different. feel different. And then you get the like late to bed, early to rise. Oh, I've done a lot of that. Oh, I have done a lot of that. So, yeah. Why did I do this again? 
<laughs> I'll be so tired, I won't stay out tonight. Oh, wait. You're like Second win. Kids are in bed. Second win. Second win. Yeah. We go. <laughs> Pop what are we watching tonight? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Pop a couple fruit snacks. <laughs> oh the Welch's ones from Costco. Oh, those are good. Jeez, oh, they're addictive. The, the the little peaches. Those are the best. Good stuff. Yeah. See, I think I'm still active in my in my fruit snack addiction. I need to like. <laughs> I am too. Way. We have to like not get them. Otherwise, and my kids don't even really eat them. I'm the one that eat eat them. (laughs) These are for the kids. Yes, of course they are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so we're here with our friend Ben Osborne, who has already been joining the conversation, and we've learned a few things about him already. But uh, we wanted to have Ben on our show because he's cool. Because Ben's awesome, and we can learn a lot from Ben. So. A little quick intro, um, Ben, we, we all know Ben through our church, that's how we all met and became friends, but uh, Ben grew up here in this area, um, he's a former junior high teacher? Yeah, middle school and high school. Middle school yeah. and high school? Yeah, it was, a, it was a small school, and so I taught in lots of grades, 6 through 12, depended on the year. Okay, but, cool. Know, quite a variety. He's currently a wrestling coach. Uh, super into fitness, super good at wearing Speedos and making the rest of us <laughs> wish that we He's could bad. do that. He's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he's just all around awesome. He has a family of four awesome kids and we just felt like we could learn a lot from Ben today. So we're happy to have him on here and we're going to ask him a few questions. So, um, without further ado, Ben, why don't you kind of give us a little background on your, your life, your upbringing as a kid and sure, let's go from there. Uh, thank you for having me. We've been talking about this for quite some time and I was excited when you guys told me you were getting together to do this podcast from the beginning and was just kind of excited for the mission that you have of just talking about real life things and how to be better and and interviewing people from time to time. So I'm, I'm happy to be here. Glad that you have included me in this and hope that it's a positive experience for, for me. You know, sometimes I don't get asked these questions, so it's sometimes I don't get to articulate these things. And so that'll be a good record for me to have, you know, a recording of this conversation. Um, but also I do think, like you've said, in some other conversations we've had that there's been some life experiences that I've had that have helped you and I'm sure our listeners to at least this episode may be able to glean something from that as well. So um, I grew up in Spokane Valley, one of nine kids. Um, I was literally born in my home. It was a home birth and my mom had done that with a few of her babies. more on the middle group of us, you know, one of nine, and I can't remember if the first one or two were in a hospital, and then the middle four or five or six were at home, and then the last couple were in a hospital. I don't remember who was born where, I just know I was born at home, but literally born at home. So I was a home birth, and had a midwife, and they weighed me on like this fish scale, and I was 10 pounds, <laughs> eight ounces, I can and imagine them like holding it up in the air. <laughs> like it's kind of bouncing. Yeah, this is a big mm-hmm. baby. Yeah, we'll go 10-8. So I was the biggest baby <laughs> by the fish scale uh, that eight. my mom had. Yeah, You were huge. It was big. Yeah, it was big. My mom's like 5'1", right? So this was not. <laughs> yeah. And she had me at home. So it was like, 
whoa, what would that have been like? And I was born at like 8 o'clock in the morning. So to labor through the night and then to have a home birth, she had planned on the home birth. It wasn't like, "Uh uh-oh, baby's coming. We can't make it to the hospital. She had a midwife. Midwife was called in. It was all, you know, very well planned out, taken care of. Um, Not an accident. You know, it was on purpose. Some people get born in the backs of cars or on elevators because (laughs) airplanes, you know. I just saw something in the news this week about an airplane, you know, birth. But anyways, um, I was born at home and um, five boys in the family, four girls. Um, In terms of the, the... the lineup, there was a girl, five boys, I'm the last of the five boys, and then there were three girls. And so I was the sixth of nine children, and um, it was great. You know, we, we grew up in a, a small four-bathroom, sorry, four-bedroom, one-bathroom house. We wish we had four bathrooms. <laughs> um, but, you know, we got through it, and, and thinking about it now, and the homes that have, you know, some of them more bathrooms than bedrooms, that's okay. I mean, but it was just a different time. And for our family, small family, my dad was self-employed and um, my parents made it work and it was great. And we loved every minute of it and didn't know any different from other families that may have had more bathrooms or more rooms in their home. And and for us, it was a great place to grow up. And um, so, you know, born and raised here, lived in that house for uh, probably about 20 years, and then um, I served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and went to Brazil, learned Portuguese, and loved the Brazilian people. And when I came back, my parents moved and bought a bigger house. All the kids were out of the house, but they bought a bigger house. I guess it was for the grandkids <laughs> to come back, but uh, not far from where we all lived for 20 years. And so it's still home. You know, talk about where is home. Spokane is home. We have you know, as in my life, I moved to Brazil for two years and we moved out to go to college and then I taught for a little while and moved out for a few years. But we've we've come back to Spokane and, and have purchased a home within, you know, two and a half or three miles of, of where I was literally born. And we love the area and, it, and it's been great. So I've been married for, four, for 15 years now and uh, in January, which we're knocking on the door of already again, you know, going into the holiday season, um, be 16 years they'll be have been married and I've got a 14 year old and a boy a 12 year old girl a seven year old girl and a five year old girl and they keep us busy and uh, as mentioned before uh, currently I'm working as a denturist I have a small dental lab business that my dad started when he was in his 30s, and I took over in my 30s when he retired, and um, work from home now. I have a lab at home and a little workshop, and it's been great for our family to be self-employed, to work from home, and to continue the the business that my dad started um, over 30 years ago. Awesome. Um, so we've talked a lot about, in I guess in the past, you've told us stories about your childhood and you had a couple rough years you had some great stories from that time and you know, I think you also learned a lot and at least for me I like hearing those stories because I look at you and I think we all kind of look up to you a lot We're like oh man Ben is awesome I want to be like Ben but it's <laughs> but it's good to know that you've you know had some other you've had some trials in your life too so maybe I don't know tell us about that a little bit 
Okay, sure. So, um, being the youngest of a string of five boys, um, I got to see a lot of different things that my older siblings thought was cool, you know, and being the youngest of five. And you're not talking about like hammer pants or something you're talking about. Well, we had those two. We definitely had, we definitely had hammer pants. Definitely, definitely had hammer pants. But, you know, um, just a different view on things as a 10-year-old kid that looked up to his brothers. One of them was, you know, uh, excelling very well in wrestling. You know, when I was, when I was 10, my brother Glenn, um, who's eight and a half years older than me, would have been a senior in high school. And he placed second in the state, you know, and that was a cool thing. And he started wrestling when he was, um, you know, like in seventh grade. And so when I was five, my brother Glenn was, you know, um, just coming out of middle school and starting high school. And he's like, mom and dad, I'll pay for him to go to this junior wrestling program, right? So he was so into it and so invested in his little brothers that he's paying the 20 bucks or whatever so we could join this club wrestling program. And so I looked up to my brothers for a lot of things, you know, uh, the cool cars they drove, the sports they did, the girls they hung out with, the things that they would do on the weekends, you know, um, going to parties or whatever. And, and that was something that I started to experiment with too, you know, and um, there's probably a lot of listeners that, that I may know personally that haven't heard these stories and it's all right. I'm an open book. You know, it's not like I want to hide anything and um, certainly can share the change that, that can happen to an individual as they progress through life. And so um, looked up to my brothers and saw some of the choices and decisions that they had made. And I decided, hey, yeah, my brothers have some tattoos. That, that's pretty cool, right? Got some ink. And now it's very prevalent. But back in the you know late 80s, early 90s, there weren't as many people that I knew in my circle that had a lot of tattoos. But my brothers, they went off and did got some tattoos. And so I found a tattoo artist that would draw on me, you know, when I was like 16 or something. So I'm like, let's do this, right? Let me get some tattoos. And, uh, and so I got them and a couple different tattoos. And my brother and I, um, Jared, that wasn't old enough at the time either to get the tattoos of our three older brothers, we went together and got a tattoo together, right? And so the same tattoo and um, same good or bad decision, depending on what side of the fence you're on about tattoos. But we did it together. That was something that a brotherly bond that we did. Mm-hmm. And um, we made lots of good decisions together too. This is one that we look back on and say, maybe that wasn't one of our finer moments. <laughs> um, but certainly is a reminder of who we once were and who we are now. And looking on that, not as being a hypocrite, but looking at it as there's a lot of personal growth and change that can happen when you decide that you want to live a different way. And so he cleaned up his act and just said, you know, maybe we shouldn't be getting tattoos. And, and I think we were, I was 16 and he was probably 19 when we got our tattoo together. And then he was contemplating, you know, serving a mission and it's kind of frowned upon to have fresh tattoos when you go out on a mission. And so he's like, maybe we should, you know, look at things a little different. So he goes on a mission and, and that got 
gets me to start thinking about my own choices and behaviors too. And I thought, well, maybe I ought to um, look at that. But continued to struggle with some of those um, risky behaviors and different friend groups that probably weren't making the best choices at the time. As a friend of mine said, you know, we were playing in the weeds way too often. You know, there's a lot better places that we could have been playing and spending our time, but we were off in the dirt and the weeds and, and doing things we shouldn't do. And, um, but, you know, there's a good story about the prodigal son, you know, and, and one of the lines there that I like is that he came to himself, right? And so at some point um, along that journey of self-discovery and what I would want to do maybe for a lifetime of good behavior or just how to navigate this mortal life, I, I realized that I had to come to myself and make some changes. Um, as I was going through these, you know, um, tattoo phases and other things, my mom says, Ben, what are you going to remember about getting tattoos? Why did you do that? What is the purpose? Why are you... What does it mean to you? And so I responded to my mom and I said, it's just going to show me that how rebellious I was. It's a sign, an outward sign and symbol of my youthful rebellion. And that's not me anymore. Um, though we may, you know, think that I, I do think there's still things in my life that I can improve on, but I'm not that rebellious teenager that is defiant and oppositional and thinking that I have all of the answers to this complex world. And so that was the symbol to me, you know, that I responded to my mom. I'm a rebel, and it's just going to be it. And I didn't know how true those words were when I was 18, spouting back at my mom why I justified to have a tattoo because <laughs> I'm rebellious. <laughs> and then my wife asked me the same thing. Uh, before she was my wife, when we were dating, she said, so what do your tattoos mean? I didn't go into the whole rebellion thing and the playing in the weeds and playing in the dirt and doing things I shouldn't do. I just said, you know what? It just means I'm a badass. <laughs> <laughs> I'd agree with that. We, we are. We, yeah. 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 You're just speaking the truth. Just speaking the truth, you know? And, and uh, so anyway, so I... I told her that, and then she goes home and tells her parents that. <laughs> and her dad asked me, like, what's this I hear about tattoos and being a badass, you know? That's <laughs> <And>, me. <laughs> uh, that is true. He's like, really? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, show me. And I'm like, which one? And he's like, which one? <laughs> and, and so I showed him one, you know. I said, well, uh, I've got three, and I'll, you know, show you one on my arm that's easiest to show. Mm -hmm. And the other two I'll leave up to the uh, listener's imagination, but it's not in any crazy place or anything like that. But <laughs> It's I do, not My Little Pony. It's not My Little crash. Pony. It's not, you know, my girlfriend's name or the heart and the dagger or whatever, you know, or an arrow, you know, Cupid or anything like that. But they were just symbols of the time that I thought were cool and just a, a reflection of of my rebellion, I guess, and... To be honest with you, I don't even see them anymore in the mirror. Like I don't, I don't see them. It's not part of my image on the inside, and I don't identify myself with those symbols anymore. But when I go to the river with a group of young men from the church, 
that have never seen me take my shirt off before. I can hear the whispers. Mm-hmm. What the heck is that? Oh, my gosh. This guy is kind of one of the leaders of our church unit. And he's got <laughs> tattoos. What in the world is going on? You know. And so I think it's kind of eye-opening to some. Um, and maybe that's a good reason why I'm in a position of leadership in the church to show that there is a great deal of change that can happen. And for me, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints provided a framework to allow that change to occur. You don't have to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to make good choices. You don't have to be a member of uh, another prominent religion to say that you've straightened your life out. You know, there's a lot of good that can happen by just doing some self-evaluation and maybe having some belief in a supreme being that can help you to be a better person and to live life in a better way. I don't want to say that, you know, the only way is to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints if you want to change your life. But for me, that was the way that helped me, was mm-hmm. to turn back to the faith that my parents had taught me and turn back to those religious observances that not only my parents, but my grandparents and great-grandparents had tried to instill in their children and in their posterity. And then for me, it was just a matter of experimentation and time before I came to myself and said, you know what? <laughs> they had it right all along. I was the fool. Hmm. Not them. And when I finally submitted that will, you know, and get kind of given up on that rebellion and kind of turned my will over to the Lord, I was able to feel much lighter, free from the bad choices that I've made, and kind of craft a new path that would ultimately bring me greater happiness and joy. Not free from struggle not free from pain, but certainly more joy and lasting happiness. Man, that was so good. Yeah. I feel like you need to write a book, Ben. I would buy it. <laughs> well, I have, I have, you know, um, I love writing my journal. And at some mm-hmm. point I do want to write a book, but I just don't know how yet to do that. And if, you know, maybe I could write write them in episodes, like episode one, the the little type. Episode mm-hmm. two, like the teenager. Episode three, the fool. You know, <laughs> episode. This already four, sounds good. <laughs> the turning These point, or whatever. Good. You know, because I have it at different times written some very personal things in my journal to kind of capture some mm-hmm. of that change, um, mostly for my kids. You know, my journal is written from the perspective of what's eternally significant to me and why. And how I've noticed that God has had a role and a hand in my life in the hopes that my kids or my grandkids or my great-grandkids might be able to learn something from that. So that they could have a published copy of some of my life lessons. Whether that goes to, you know, a Kindle reader somewhere in someone's house, I don't know, but at some point, that'll be something that I at least 
publish and pass on to my kids and some close friends. Mm-hmm. Whether it hits, you know, the New York Times bestseller, that's a whole different question. <laughs> that's that's a whole different question. Oh man, that's so so awesome. No, you said that really well, and I think that that's that's just so cool that you were able to learn those lessons. And now you can, I mean, like you were saying, you know, it gives you all the more experience to talk with your own kids about things like that. And if they have struggles or, you know, as they will, that, you know, you've, you've had personal experience and you can help them through that. So that's, that's awesome. Ben, do you want to tell us um, kind of about like your life and your career, you know, since then, after that? Yeah, so it's, um, like I said before, like my life is certainly more happy and joyful because of the choices that I decided to make when I was 18 versus the choices I decided to make from 12 to 18, right? There was like a six-year teenage fog period, I would, I would call it, that a I was... Teenage fog period. <laughs> I was kind of so wandering. True. So and it accurate. was pretty foggy. And, and I do remember some things. My parents probably remember them differently than I would because they were viewing it through like a fully developed human brain. And I was this developing human brain, like trying to navigate the fog. So what they remember and what stood out to them may be different than the first person view. Um, but I can tell you after... Um, I served a mission for the church and um, learned some really good life habits. Like, just to give you an example, school wasn't important to me in high school, right? I, I basically went to school enough so that I could graduate and enough so that I could wrestle. That was it. Like, wrestling was, was everything. And, and I did some things in the summer for wrestling too, but, you know, I was, um, I was talented and a lot of that was just genetic, but also just part of my personal drive to be um, very intense and focused on something and to put my all into everything, right? And so that paid off dividends for wrestling. So, you know, I'm a, a wrestler, like I said. My brother was a wrestler, and I thought, okay, I can do this. And I was fairly athletic and loved working out. So I was three-time state placer, you know, in wrestling. And that drive, that quality remained with me, even though my, ch- my choices, you know, um, started to change. But that internal drive of wanting to excel and wanting to do the best that I could do at anything that I put my mind to continued after my mission and then when I got into college. So I never applied that same drive to my academics in high school, like C average, right, just getting along. I literally failed biology class. Like, I don't know why they didn't make me retake it. And somehow I graduated high school with a F in biology without <laughs> retaking it. I don't know how that happened, you know, but it did. So maybe the credit requirements were different back then than they are now. But I go to college and I have a 3.8 GPA and my mask, not my, my emphasis, my biology degree is in biology. Right. So it wasn't a matter of being stupid. It was a matter of not applying myself. Right. Mm -hmm. And so once I learned to apply myself and some of the talents and the interests that I had, because I loved science, I loved chemistry and I got a minor in chemistry, which is not easy to do, you know, and so hard. I was a few credits away from a double major and, and having that double major be chemistry. I was just a calculus class in a physical chemistry 
and a quantitative um, chemistry class away from it, you know. So another term, and I could have had a double major. That's how much I liked chemistry. It was like my, my minor was super heavy on chemistry. And so that was completely different. So I went to Eastern Washington University, graduated with a, a biology degree, minored in chemistry, with the intent to go to dental school. And um, at the time that I was graduating from, from college uh, with a bachelor's, my wife had just had our second child and uh, was beginning to go through some postpartum issues. And um, we didn't know it at the time what it was because this was all very new to us. This, this whole uh, idea of mental health and mental illness and how it can affect an individual and how that effect of the individual has an impact on the whole family. And um, so we didn't exactly know what was going on, but I didn't get into dental school that first cycle as I'm starting to deal with these new complexities of life which have to do with mental health and so basically if you don't get in you got to do something for a year right so i went to work for a company called hollister steer and um it was good that i had a science background because they're a pharmaceutical company and it was a pharmaceutical manufacturing job and worked there for a year and got really burned out it was a, a time of a great transition for the company and um for me it wasn't a good fit from what I hear from now, I, I have some friends that, you know, work there. And the culture is a lot different now than it was when I was there. And it's a great company to work for. So I wouldn't say knock anything on that company, but it wasn't a good fit for me and especially not a good fit for me at the time. And so I, I was there for about a year and then decided, okay, I'm dealing with some serious mental health issues at home. Um, I need to be able to provide an income for my wife and two kids. What's the most stable? stable way within my comfort level and the comfort level of my family that we could pursue a career if this continues to be something that we really have to be delicate and manage for a long period of time, right? And I thought, yeah, go away to dental school where I leave my wife and kids for 18 hours a day for four years. Mm -hmm. That's going to be great on my marriage. <laughs> That's going to be great on her mental health. That's going to be great on my kids, you know, and I thought, uh, maybe we need to revisit that whole dental school thing because I was considering reapplying. And I thought, you know what? What's important to me is not that I'm a dentist. What's important to me is that I'm a good husband and a good father. And so is there a way that I can provide for my family that may have a different career path, right? And so um, in saying that, I would in never have I ever put any blame on my wife to say because of your mental health, I was unable to be a dentist. There has never been any blame that's been directed that way towards her or any reason or rationale that where our lot in life is now is because of that. No, where we are now is because I chose that um, my family was most important. Like, to be honest with you, had I gone to dental school, I probably would have lost my family because they needed somebody that could be there more than what I would be able to offer them uh, in that rigorous training program. And so we ultimately decided we need stability, we need income, we need medical benefits, we need predictability, we need something that can provide that. And education was, was the route because I was still continuing to coach wrestling off and on. I had friends and mentors that were still teachers and and different things, and I thought, you know what, 
I've got a biology degree. I know science jobs you can pretty much get if you're a science teacher. Uh, but to get into teaching, I've got to get a master's degree. So I went back to school, earned a master's degree in teaching, and um, continued to coach and uh, landed a job in north central Washington. And, and all of those things that we had hoped came in, into play. We started to manage better some of the mental health issues around my wife um, and her needs and the needs of the family. Had a great, steady, predictable income, though as a teacher, with a family, it's not much, right? But it was enough. And it was enough to provide that stability, predictability of hours, predictability of income, and um, stability for our needs. Um, and so I worked that job for about three years and um, decided that it was time to earn more money, right? There was, we had another kid at that time we had three. Claire was born while I was a teacher in North Central Washington. And looking long term now, okay, life's pretty good. We've stabilized this mental health issue. We've learned a lot about it. A lot of counseling, had some meds, had some more counseling, had some behavior modification. We did a lot of learning around that. And, and so we thought, okay, we're in a good place. So what's the next step, right? How can we essentially double our income without sending my wife to work because we wanted to keep that as a family value to have her in the home and to be the homemaker. So we could send her to work, uh, you know, and to provide a somewhat doubling effect to our income, or I could figure out some career path that would double my income. And so um, I thought, well, I could be a school administrator. That's almost double a teacher, what I was making. And so that was one option which required more schooling. Also, what required more schooling was coming back home and helping my dad retire and shifting career focus back to the dental field and become a denturist, uh, something that I had learned as a young kid growing up. You know, my dad started his business when I was five years old and was in the lab learning and making things with my hands and smelling the chemicals and seeing the reactions. And that's probably where my chemistry interest came from as a young kid. You know, my dad had a minor in chemistry. He had this dental lab, which I thought was cool. I worked with him, you know, throughout uh, middle school and high school and a little bit in college. And um, at the time that I decided to go to be a teacher, I had consulted with my dad and, and the status of the business was just not ready to take on a, another family and the needs of another family financially and for medical costs. And so we shifted and said, okay, education can provide that appreciate that, but we got to go do this. And so that's kind of when we steered away and just said, okay, let's just get out of dentistry altogether, go to uh, the education field. But then we ended up coming back, you know, but the timing was better, you know, because it was basically a five year, I was five years too soon to help my dad retire. He wasn't ready yet. And it wasn't ready to take on somebody that needed a significant income to provide for the family. So I took a five year break, became a teacher, helped my dad retire. Worked for my brother a little bit, who was a great mentor in the denturist industry where uh, in the state of Washington, we're able to provide um, direct-to-patient services for dentures and removable oral uh, appliances. And um, so I worked with my brother and my dad and did a distance learning program and went through all of the state board exams, both written and clinical, to become licensed as a denturist. 
So if you have added up the hours that I've gone to school, I might as well be a doctor. Right? <laughs> but it, it came in chunks though, right? And it came in chunks that was better suited to what my family and I could commit to and finish and follow through on. And so um, ultimately became a denturist. My dad retired. I took over his business, uh, continued to work for my brother for a couple of years as I transitioned into building my dad's business. And um, just in the last couple of years have gone solo on that. And um, it's keeping me quite busy. And now I've got, you know, an employee. And so things are starting to grow. And that doubling of the income is a reality, right? Paid off all my student loans, uh, bought a house, haven't paid off the house. But that's the only debt that we carry, you know. So some of those financial aspirations that we had in going away from education have started to happen, which is nice because that provides some stability, some peace. We've figured out the medical needs <laughs> being self-employed, which are a little bit more challenging than just having your employer be like, okay, here's your medical benefit. You're good <laughs> okay. to go. You need to go to the dentist. No problem. Go, you know. We pay for all that, but we've learned to be self-employed and, and do it as a business. So, Ben, I, I like your story and I like how you know, your faith and your beliefs have kind of guided you along where you've gone in your life. So what you're, you're at, kind of where you just finished, you know, you've got your business, you're in this position now where you're starting to grow. What are your future aspirations? Like, what are you looking forward to? What are you trying to grow into now? That is a great question. Um, well, I've always thought that wouldn't it be nice to just kind of, come back full circle to that education piece and teach at the local dental school that's growing in Spokane and teach dentures to the rising generation of dentists. Wouldn't that be nice to be now the teacher of the dentists? It didn't work out well for me to be the dentist or the dental student. But I can tell you right now, the way that my business is growing is that I'm getting more and more calls every day almost. Not every day, but in the last couple of months, it went from one office to four or five that are asking me to come provide denture services in office to the dentists to train the dentists and their staff how to do quality prosthetics in their office. And so that's like a huge need, right? And I have the teaching knack to do it. And now I'm able to be self-employed and teach, which is kind of cool because I enjoy that. I enjoy interacting with people. I enjoy empowering people to, to do better with their own skill set and to help them self-evaluate and say, this is good enough or I can do better before it comes to the lab. Because once it comes to the lab, like the lab either deals with it or they call the doctor back and then the doctor's got to call the patient back and then that creates this major loss of opportunity and loss of time. When if it could be caught in the moment because the clinician or the assistant to the clinician is properly trained, it's a much smoother system for everybody and it's a much more profitable system for everybody because if we have to redo something, we don't get to build double It'd be nice. I'd, mm -hmm. I'd love to build double. <laughs> but it's the same service. We just have to take eight steps instead of four or five to get there. So wouldn't it be nice just to have it a little bit smoother? And so I'm working into that 
training aspect of my business now that could continue to evolve and then would certainly have some backing for that interview that may be 10 or 20 years down the road where it's like, look, I got this lab, I'm a denturist, I've been training offices already. If you want me to train them from the beginning, I'm happy to do that, right? If you want me to train them while they're in school instead of when they get out of school, I'm cool with that. Yeah. So long term, that's probably where I would be, you know. I don't think at this point I would change careers again. I've done that enough. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's ways that I can grow this business to make more income rather than trying to start something new. Yeah. What about, like, personally? What kind of personal goals do you have for yourself? So, good question. So, um, basically, I want to be able to keep up with my kids in whatever activity that they want to do. So we like to do a lot of backpacking. We like outdoor sports. We like swimming. We like hiking. Um, you know, I like to play, you know, frisbee or softball with my kids or or whatever. You know, um, I love wrestling, but realize that that's kind of a high impact sport and not something that I can do for the rest of my life. So my goals for fitness wise um, kind of revolve around what can I do for my body that will allow me to do those types of activities with my kids and my grandkids long-term without having injury and without going too crazy. I feel like um, I used to be very competitive and that's one of the reasons why I probably excelled at wrestling and did good in college because I was pretty competitive. And I think that competitive edge is really kind of tapered off. You know, I've kind of tempered that a little bit. And so while I appreciate the invitations of, of many of my friends to join triathlon groups and, <laughs> and training schedules and races with medals, I feel like I've kind of gone through that already, right? And not that Some I... Some of us are just catching up to that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay. No, but I mean, it's great. It's just that I have a different focus and I have a different reason, right? And if, if exercise is what helps get you fit and, and planning for an event get you working out or processing life is and that's your outlet to do that i think that's great whatever the reason is my reason just happens to be different i just want to be able to keep up with my kids and to have a healthy life so that i'm not hurting when i get out of bed i mean i'm not that much older than you guys but i'm starting to feel <laughs> older right i mean i've been married 16 almost 16 years i'm 38 I'm not old by any means. No, I feel good. very young, very sharp. My dad worked until he was 70-something. My uncle, my great-uncle is, you know, in his mid-90s. My grandfather lived till he was 92. So if I re retire when I'm 60 or 70, there's a lot of years to live, and I'd rather it not be as a cripple. You have plenty of time to get in, into triathlon. <laughs> <laughs> plenty of time. Yeah. There's, there's so here's the other thing too, though. So I see I see triathlons and organized events as as a certainly a hobby, and um, somewhat of a financial drain on some of the resources that I have now. And right now I've got this major remodel at my house going on, and so every conceivable moment or penny that I can squeeze out of the budget, like that's my hobby, right? That's where my money's going to is my house. Yeah. And so I would love to have a bike and a trainer and a pool and all the things, right? <laughs> Devin's got you covered. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Oh, if it's an equipment issue, you guys got my back. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, and vice versa, when we have equipment issues for like our camping needs, 
Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Or a house project, right? I mean, we wired up some lights in your garage. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah, we can trade all Yeah, the, we can trade all the, all the time. Yeah. So, and, and right now, too, it's just a matter of time. Like, I realize how much time it takes to do some of that. And, like, serving, you know, in a bishopric and running a business and remodeling a house and trying to still take care of, you know, four kids and a wife. For me, I just haven't figured out how to put in, you know, two hours a day or more to exercise schedule and routines. I love the idea. Keep asking me. Keep inviting me. But right now, it's not good. See, see part, part of that for me is, is the fact that I believe you were kind of instrumental in starting me in that stuff, right? Because well, so, so we lived, what, like like a block away from yeah. each other? Yeah, for a couple other. years. And started going to the gym. Like, dude, it was you getting my fat butt out of the, you know, at like 4.55 in the morning to go hit, you know, the Y at 5, right? So yeah. so this is kind of my like, well, you know, we got to like pressure, like pay you back in a loving yeah. way, you know, like for... <laughs> No, no, but I mean that's that's an integral part of my own story. Is you know that you know you're you're pushing me on that, man. Good. Well, I'm I'm happy to happy to have been a part of that. That's good. Right. So keep pushing. I'll I'll eventually you know cave. I'm sure. <laughs> okay, that's all I need to. I, you said the magic word. I'll keep, I'll keep pushing. Can we get them writing? It's no. <laughs> Devin never had any intention to stop. Pushing anyways. No. no. <laughs> you too, Chris. Oh. I'll keep pushing. Yeah, one day. I'll get there. I'll get there one day. You'll get there. Yep. Actually, so Kate and I have started running on a regular nice. basis now. So we started, we got this app. It's like a running trainer thing. So we've been doing that pretty consistently. So that's been good. Nice. But. I think that's great. Like, so my son now, he's really into fitness. And yours a little bit younger, but wait till they have testosterone. <laughs> like, I am not kidding. Like, I remember, I'm, I'm remembering now, like, back to high school, I would work out two or three times a day. Like, I would, I would get up sometimes and I'd run before school. I'd have a PE class. And then maybe even sometimes four times a day because then I would have wrestling practice. And then after, I'd go home and have dinner and do maybe homework, maybe not. Um, I'd go back to the gym a lot of times because I was cutting weight. So that's like three or four pretty decent workouts sometimes in a day, right? And so my son David, he's like 14 and he's, he's got the high. I'm glad he likes to get high off of exercise instead of other things that kids are doing these days, right? Because like yesterday, he's like goes and plays football with his friends after school for like two hours. And then he goes back to one of his buddy's friends and plays basketball for like an hour. And then I pick him up at like 7 o'clock. Like, I think he may have had dinner between the football and the basketball. But So he had some food. And then I'm like, you still want to go work out tonight? He's like, yeah, if we can. Like, oh, he's got the bug. <laughs> like, oh, man. And he's, and he's got this weights class at school, right? So he has to go work out, do this fitness log. And he likes that I can teach him how to do some strength training and some cardio training and you know warming up and cooling down and all the things so I've all of a sudden become this PE teacher right and I was a wrestling coach so I think I know a few things about how to get fit especially to compete mm -hmm. in wrestling so we, you know we hit the weights and the fitness training a little bit different than like the bodybuilders do because we're more concerned about stability and strength and endurance together and being able to control not only your body but your opponent's body right and so 
it's just crazy. Like, as soon as, I mean, he was always into it. But then, like, he started going through puberty, and that was just like pouring gas on the fire. <laughs> oh, man, I, we were working out today, and I put him through this workout that made me lightheaded. And he's just like, whatever. <laughs> you got more of him? He's like, he's like, the only time I get lightheaded is when I do a, a red flag day in a wrestling practice, which is the most intense, high intensity interval training that you could do. It's like you're doing sprints for six minutes, you're doing a lifting routine for six minutes, and then you're wrestling a six minute match. And then you do that three times. Whoa. After a warm up. And so it's like, it's on for, you know, it's. It's on. Mm-hmm. It's crazy for 18 minutes, and then do it again, and then you got 18 minutes, and then you can do it again. You got 18 minutes, and it is brutal. And we do have kids throw up, and we do have kids that get lightheaded, not faint or pass out. But it is intense. But it creates a mental edge and a physical conditioning like no other. And so I, he ran through a few of these practices as kind of a junior high kid, and that got him on this buzz and high of like, I know I can work out hard. And now he's like pushing his old man. So I'm getting in better shape because of my 14 year old kid. That's awesome. That's good. Yeah, that's, that's good. I think our next great. podcast should be um, I'm going to just volunteer to like watch with you, Ben, as Chris and Devin both uh, <laughs> run the <laughs> red flag day. <laughs> a red flag day. Yeah. A red flag day. Yeah. yeah. Are we going to be wrestling each other, or are we going to be wrestling Ben? Clearly, both. Of- <laughs> <laughs> are we both going to be wrestling Ben at the I same time? I got the time? upper weight class. So <laughs> benefit, so. No, no. no that, uh, that, well, so it's great to work out with your kids. And that's yeah. what I'm really loving about fitness right now, mm-hmm. is that it's become something that my kids love, and that's how we spend time together. We spend time together working. We spend time together in the woods. And it's really having multiple connection points with my kids. My wife and I were talking just the other day. It's like, my son's going to be going to college or a mission or life when he's 18, you know, whatever, you know, kids decide to do. But he's going to want to come back, we hope, to do some of these things, you know. And so yeah. you want to go work out or, hey, let's let's visit and go on a backpacking trip or let's do this or that. And so just and having time to be able to check in with their life because, you know, I can tell when sometimes my son's just like, I just got to work out because I'm frustrated. Like it's an outlet too for him, you know. So he's learning that it's a stress relief too, and so just being able to be plugged into my kids—that's what I'm all about. I don't want to like control their life, but I just want to know how they're doing and spend time with them. Ah, oh, so good. Yeah. Good stuff. Okay, so when can I get my kindergartner working out like that? <laughs> yeah, no, right. Next year. It how much should my kindergartner be lifting right now? It should only their body weight. Only their body weight until they stop growing up. <laughs> then they grow out. Then you can throw on the weights. All but right. James might already be there. <laughs> <laughs> My other one, definitely. <laughs> Me. Need to work on that. So, okay, Ben. Favorite book? I'm not a big reader. Okay. And so um, I can tell you, you know, in terms of like a, a book for leisure, I don't read a lot. The, mo- the most recent book for leisure that I've read was a book that I read over a series of months at bedtime to my daughter called The Son of Neptune, right? So if you know Percy Jackson and all of that, that's what it was. And she's like seven years old and super into it. And But it, the words were sometimes too big and the chapter's too long for her, although she's a good reader. But she can also listen really well and know the story and know the connections. 
So that was the last book I read. Son of Neptune. Son of Neptune. Percy Jackson. Yeah. Rick Riordan, I think, is the author. And it was oh, a great yeah, book. Sure. Yeah, it was a great book. And my my older kids have loved all things, you know, Percy Jackson and, and by the same author. And so it's it's pretty good. It's it's worth reading. Yeah. It's worth reading. But right. you know, most influential book, um, Probably academically would be Brain Rules. Um, it's a book that I read uh, when I did my master's program um, in teaching, and my emphasis was on um, what's called the cognitive load theory. So I was learning a lot about how um, the brain works and, and member, remembers things and scaffolds things, and how this right here, you know, you might call it a think tank, you know, and so now we've got a greater cognitive load that we can spread among four brains instead of just one so the ideas that come out of that and the productivity that comes out of that is often much greater that's why collaborative teams are outperforming individuals right and so that's what i learned but as part of that research was this book by this guy in seattle called uh, brain rules and you talk about sleep there's a chapter on it right how, how healthy that is for you how important that is for you Cool. So brain rules, I'll have to brain check rules. That out. and there's one for baby too. Brain mm. rules for baby is very a very influential okay. book too. Cool. So it's like how to survive and thrive at home, work, and school kind of is the is the mm. premise of it. But then brain rules for baby is like from zero to five, huh. like things to consider about your your child's development. Interesting. Cool. Oh, my turn to ask a question. Okay, what is commandment number one in the uh, on the Ten Commandments of of Ben Osborne's nutrition advice. Commandment number one. Um, nutrition advice. Good question. Probably to figure out what feels well in your body and do that. Hmm. Okay. Ooh. Hmm. Because I love how donuts and ice cream and, and you know soda pop taste. I don't love how they feel in my body. And so I do have some friends that are very anti-carb um, and because they fill their diet with other things that helps them feel better. Uh, I can handle maybe a few more carbs than some people and it kind of depends on your physique and your, your makeup. You know, if I'd like to cut all the carbs, I would probably lose a lot of weight, but I don't need to lose a lot of weight unless I was competing for something, yeah. you know. But um, the biggest thing that I think I'm trying to work on for myself right now, maybe, you know, six years ago or six years from now, I would answer that question differently. But what feels good in my body and what doesn't? And for me, I feel a lot of inflammation from excess sugar and excess carbs. And so that's my main motivator for decreasing simple sugars in my diet. It's not because it makes me fat, because it does that too. But for me, it affects my work because my hands cramp more when I eat hmm. more sugar. Interesting. Wow. And I've noticed that, you know, and some people have celiac disease, and so they're like, can't do it because they've got this genetic disease that they get really sick, right? Some people choose to go gluten-free or dairy-free because it's a fad or it's something that they want to do as a diet. But for me, it's like, how can I do something long-term? because of what feels good, and I can sustain what feels good. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure 
drugs feel good too, so I wouldn't go there. <laughs> right? I wouldn't go there. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, right. like, thinking about clean, healthy living, what feels good in your body in the moment, in the day, in the weeks, in the months. Yeah. I like well that. said. Okay, me? All right. Uh, what is your Desert Island movie? If you could just pick one movie to watch over and over again, what would it be? Um, you know, I have seen The Italian Job multiple times. <laughs> That's a good so one. So that probably wouldn't one. change. You know, my wife and I love it. We quote it all the time. It's just like, it's it's funny. It's funny. It's action. It's, it. I don't know. We just like it. It's got the heist nice. feel to it. The yeah, heist. Right. I yeah. love the heist. Yeah. I, right? I just, it's good. The music, the soundtrack behind, you know, it's just like, it's so good. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about the like new one, not the old one. The new one, yeah. I watched the old okay. one too, and I was not so impressed. Oh, it's such yeah. a slight, like, yeah. like, like for as influential as that was, yeah. slow moving movie. Yeah, yeah. My opinion. yeah. Favorite backpacking equipment? Boots. Boots? Yeah, and I'm super disappointed right now because I sent my boots off to be uh, resold after 12 years of loving care and lots of miles. And the cobbler said, sorry, I can't save them. Uh, and so I'm just kind of heartbroken. Is he going to send them back at all? Do you get he asked if I wanted them back, oh, and I said no. He said, I'll say some nice words over them before I bring them. <laughs> <laughs> so I bought another pair from a high-end you know, store, kind of top-of-the-shelf boot, because that's my feet are most important. That's mm-hmm. not something that you can borrow when you go backpacking, especially if you're going for right. like, multiple days. Like If your feet can't handle it, you can't handle it. Yeah. So what boots are we talking, man? So I got some Loa boots. Um, they were top shelf, you know, over 300 bucks. And I was disappointed. I wore them for about a week and went on one backpacking trip, and the toe guard started to peel off. Huh. And I just so, read a thing the other day about that exact thing. Really? With Loa boots, yeah. So I took them back, and I was just like, I can't do it. It was a different brand. I had some Asolo full-grain leather ones before that I had purchased when I was in college. My wife thought I was crazy because I spent 200 bucks on a pair of boots in college when we had like no money. But I was going on this 50 mile backpacking trip and I was like, the one piece of gear I cannot borrow and I cannot survive without is something with my feet. I can borrow a backpack, I can borrow a pump, I can borrow a stove, I can borrow all the things. But if I don't have good footwear, I'm not gonna make it. So for me, that's, that's it. So I'm still on the lookout. I may just have to go back and buy the Solo, I thought I'd try a different brand, did not work out well, so I may just buy the, the same boot or the newer version of the same boot that I had 12 years ago and just get the new one. Hmm. But it's just, it's just like 350 bucks, like, I'm, and some people may be saying, oh, that's nothing, you know, <laughs> or that's like a lot of money. And for me, $350 on a pair of boots, that's a lot of money. Someone told me once, if you, if you count on um, 20 bucks a year and you get 10 years out of your boots, you know, 30 bucks a year. That's kind of what I'm looking at. It's a 10-year boot. So if I can spend two to $300, that's what I expect to get out of it. Not one stinking backpacking trip. Yeah. So that's I mean, why I took them back. Lost a customer there, man. Yeah. Oh, I still love the store, but the boots, mm-hmm. not so much. That was good. Yeah, that was so good. Ben, oh my gosh, man. You really do need to write a book. <laughs> well, maybe this could be some inspiration for that, you know? Yeah. Hey, man. Um, I'll, you know, have to save the recording or something somehow but i mean you you spoke about so many things you know overcoming adversity education dealing with 
mental illness, I mean, changing careers, so much good stuff. I mean, so much stuff that I think our listeners and us can benefit from. So, so thank you for that. And uh, this has been awesome. Yeah, thanks so, for coming. Yeah, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was a good time. All right, thanks for tuning in, and we'll uh, see you next time.